once again. Good morning and welcome. If I missed you earlier, uh, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC. And I spilled my coffee. Doesn't look like too important part of the iPad, so it should be okay. There we go. All right. Uh, all right. Good morning once again. It's great to be with you today. Uh, we are starting a new series uh, on relationships. We're going to be doing this in February. And we're going to be talking about four foundations for any and every relationship. Uh, you know, it's February, so, you know, uh, you know we're going to talk about rom romantic relationships. That's a, a big core of this, absolutely, but really all relationships. And this is going to be a crucial part of all our lives, no matter what your relationship status is or what you plan for it to be or want it or not want it to be, whatever that is. And, and so... Uh, you know, so this is what we're going to talk about, these crucial relationships, and, and so we talked about really in our last series about happiness. We began the year talking about how God wants us to be happy, but the foundations of that are really important and how it's counterintuitive, and what we discovered is, is when God talks about our happiness, he's always tying it to our heart and tying it to relationships. So let's, you know, take some time then to really dive into relationships and, and go to the foundation uh, because we know that God is always addressing us through our heart and helping us interact with one another well, and that's not easy. And so you're going to be hearing about relationships, right, because we're two weeks away from Valentine's Day. It's on a Tuesday this year, which is interesting. That makes it a little hard to figure out uh, timing-wise. But Valentine's Day is coming up, and so we're thinking about it more. If you're in a relationship or if you're not, maybe you wish you had someone to go out with or whatever it may be. And so, you know, you know commercials uh, are all engaging uh, Valentine's Day. You know, we're very aware of it. You know, The Bachelor's on, right? Isn't that, like, I think that's pretty purposeful. Am I right about that? I see commercials of people crying. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Uh, so this can bring a lot of mixed emotions. And every year it can change. And so, you know, it, it's something that you, maybe you're excited about. Um, uh, you have different expectations of what you want to see or like to see. Or maybe, you know, engaging this time of year makes you feel more lonely uh, because you had certain expectations. Uh, or maybe you're disappointed. And so there's emotions that come with this in some way or another. And so you could feel pressure or not feel pressure, but you're probably thinking about it, pressure or not. And so it is important. Uh, all of us desire great relationships in some kind of way. Uh, even if you're married, you know, you desire to have good friendships, and you can feel very lonely even though you're married because you were made to have friendships. And that's not easy to do in the city uh, when we really get after it in our jobs and all these different things, so you can be married and still feel lonely and have a great marriage relationship. Isn't that interesting? Maybe some of you like didn't know that. You're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And it's very true. And so uh, relationships are important. So romantic, with friendships, with family, with kids, nephews, nieces, all these different things. And so there's lots of advice out there on relationships and marriage. Um, and how do you know what's best? We have all these examples of marriages. So whose example do you follow? Well, I've got some examples for us. You know, I mentioned one already. So we have The Bachelor. Uh, I've got some pictures for you. So, you know, uh, 
that's one way of going about how to find relationships, right? So, you know, so how, how's that going? What's the track record? Like, I think there was one married, I don't know. So, you're The Bachelor, and then uh, we also have the Kardashians to really talk about relationships a lot, uh, or people talk about their relationships a lot. Um, how's that going? How are they doing? Like, so, okay, um, what about, all right, so like, People who give us information, TV morning hosts, like morning te- television shows, all right? Oh, yeah, there's some growing. So I don't think this is going well either. Okay, um, what about people who have lots of money, like people who are in technology, like the richest people in the world? If you've got money, that should help you a lot with relationships. Well, the Kardashians have money too, so they can be in this category. Like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, those marriages are not there anymore. So like you have a ton of money that didn't help either, okay. Well, let's go to music. Uh, Beyonce, this is all, everybody's got money on this picture. Okay, so but Beyonce and Jay-Z, uh, you know, that's actually, the, so far, the best one. They're together, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not been very smooth. I don't know if you noticed this. If you know the story, like, there's, there's been some issues. So, but maybe they've gone through the four foundations because it seems like they've, they've, they've found some good consistency. This is good. So that's, that's a good example. This is not all bad. Um, uh, what about like political life? Like the royal family. Maybe, maybe the royal family are good examples of how to engage with familiar. Maybe not. The family, uh, that's complicated too. So, well, there you go. Uh, but what about Scripture? Let's go to the Bible. Whatever you, you, know, you call it, Bible is an interesting word to say because it refers to like a book. It's really a story. Uh, God's story to us. Well, what about Scripture? Well, I don't have pictures. <laughs> um, guess what? There's, there's a lot of really weird and tough examples in Scripture. Uh, you just go back to uh, Abraham. You go back to really the beginning. Uh, Abraham was really deceitful. And his sons, uh, you have, you have uh, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, all the family line, they... They just messed up, like they were deceiving each other right and left, and so they, Jacob ended up being married several times, uh, and that's, it's just, when you read this story, it's broken. Like there's some, there's, no, so I just want to say, hey, people you know, tend, tend to be like, yeah, well, let's look at the history of people who believed in God. Well, <laughs> it's also tough. What we see in Scripture is, is people who are broken, and, and it's actually beautiful because God is always showing us that he's using us in our brokenness. And that brings hope to us as well. There are great examples of marriages in Scripture. You have, you have uh, Boaz and Ruth. It's an amazing story, and I'm going to talk about that in just a couple of weeks. Um, but what we find in Scripture is a lot of instruction on, uh, instructions on how to engage with one another. And how we engage our relationships. So you see teaching on marriage, and that marriage informs us in our dating life, all these different things. And you see a lot of instructions on how to live with one another, how to love one another, and all these different things. And so that helps us begin to build a foundation. And so that's what we're going to do. I want to talk about four things that are essential. Because I... I you can tell you a lot of things, and there'll be some practical examples in the series, but like I don't have the time to go into every aspect of every relationship, uh, but I can give you foundation. 
And you might be here for a year or so, and you might move away. And, and so if you learn to stand on these things, it will help you make all the little decisions or help you work through hard times and whatever else may come or help you understand decisions you've made and move forward. And that's the beauty of all of this is God is, is always engaging us in redemption and restoration. And so in every relationship we're in, in every brokenness and everything that we feel, God loves to step into that and bring about forgiveness and redemption, all that. That's always in God's story, and I love that. So we want to learn to step and engage on these things. So let me give you all four of them up front. This is where we're going for the month of February. So four foundations of relationships. The first one is this, is who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? So this is about, you know, mainly it's going to be, we're going to talk about this today, your dating relationships, current relationships that you're in, uh, your hope to, you know, engage and, and date and all those different things. That's really important. And so who are you becoming is a huge thing. We're going to talk about that today. I feel like this is Jeopardy. All right. Category two is intimacy and beauty. Uh, and we see in Scripture, Jesus says that the two will become one flesh, and He's made it and designed it for God's designed it from the beginning for intimacy and beauty, and it's important for us to know this. Uh, but that also brings a duality with hardship. There's hardship in all relationships because of sin and brokenness in the world. It's it's part of God's design that He redeems that, and so the two becoming one requires some people who are different learning to do that. So that's part of it. And it's really important to know that and to know why. And it brings a beauty in your relationships with friends, roommates, parents, uh, your romantic relationships in your marriages. So that's key. And then the fourth week, we're going to talk about our priorities. And God has made our relationships to be with Him as the center and, and when we live it that way, when we have that happening, it affects everything. And so really, that's the biggest foundation of all of them. We're going to end with that instead of beginning with it. And, we, and if whether you believe in God or not, if you're pursuing a relationship with Him, you should consider this because in all of these things, we see God's creation for us. We see His desire for us. And we see some things that if, in principles, if you live this out, you'll see it impact your relationships and it shows us this is how we are made to be. And it speaks to his beauty. And so it gives us a picture of what we call the gospel, God's, God's desire for us. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this to go through four of these things. Uh, this is for everybody here, okay? So here we go. Let's, let's engage today um, and go with foundation one, which is who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? And so today I'm going to focus a bit on our dating life. And what I'm going to talk about is this is the ideal. This is the ideal of how we want to pursue relationships. And this is really the, the truth for any relationship series I do. Is I'm all, We're talking about God's desire for us, the ideal. And the truth is we, none of us have achieved that. None of us have achieved that. We're, we, we, we experience things in different ways. So we want it to not just experience shame if you're like, man, I wish I had known this and fill in the blank. This is an opportunity for you to begin to take steps towards this and experience future beauty in your life. So this is the ideal. And so it isn't here to condemn, but to hold up what God wants and lead us towards that. 
When it comes to the principle of becoming, you're working on who you are becoming now. And you're less focused about who you find and more about who you are and who God is leading you to be. And so this principle really is a habit. It's a habit. And if you're married now, or you're trying to pursue, like, this is true now. Like, it would be something that is a habit, and so that's why I say it's a foundation. It's a foundation. We want to develop that. And then it carries over into our marriages. Uh, both Aaron and I were married uh, in our late 20s, not that far ago, long ago. And one thing I loved about Aaron was that she spent so much of her time growing as a person, pursuing wisdom, pursuing knowledge. She had mentors in her life, and she had people that she engaged with. She was reading about relationships and all these different things, and she would pursue wisdom, and that had a great impact on both of us, and both of us pursued that in our own way, but I felt like she kind of took it to another level, and it had a great impact and still does on our marriage today. And so if you're married today, this is something you want to seek out and build into your life. And if you don't ever plan to be married, I just want to say, pay attention. <laughs> uh, number one is you never know. I can't tell you how many people have said, I'm not getting married. And two years later, they're married. <laughs> so, but even with that, you may never be married. Um, this will bring joy into your life because this impacts all relationships. It's, just, it's not just about romantic relationships. This is how God leads us. And so this will bring joy into your life, happiness into your life. So when it comes to becoming uh, the right, the, you know, becoming and learning to seek wisdom out, which is really what it is about, we have to understand this, this principle about our relationships, about marriage relationships, about romantic relationships. And it's what we call the right person myth. The right person myth. And if you've been with us at DCC over the past seven years or so, you've, you've, you will have heard this at some point in time. I talk about this. And when I lead pre-marriage classes, which I'm planning to lead a uh, pre-marriage class for engaged couples starting in March. It's a six-week class that I walk through. And so that's the plan is to start that. And so if you're, in, if you're engaged, uh, something to think about. But we have this thing, and I teach this, that we call it the right person myth. And so we kind of think, in culture, we think, if I just find the right person, everything will be okay. And this is in us. It's just kind of a natural thing, but it's all throughout any kind of romantic relationship that we pursue, right? So any kind of story is like, oh, you know, maybe they were dating someone, he wasn't the right person. And behind the scenes, you see all the bad things this guy's doing, and, and she doesn't see it, or vice versa, and finally, we, we find the girl that has great character, and, they, and then the movie ends because they all live happily ever after. They get a rose, and then that's it. You're the right person. Well, okay, then. We're set. Like, so this is, but you, we laugh, right? We laugh, it's, but we still think, if I find the right person, I'll be okay. The problem is no one is perfect. Everyone is flawed. Now, now, I know that's hard for you to hear. I know that's hard to take in, but that includes you. I mean, it's just, you know, you become married, you get to know someone in such a deep way, and there's a beauty of really getting to know all of the person 
and that means the flaws, and that's, and I say it's a beauty, uh, and that's not easy to see. No one's perfect, work, perfect, is perfect. So, like we, like we just saw, how's that working out in culture? <laughs> right? So, this is, a, it, it's so important for us to know that if we just try to find the right person, it'll eventually set us up for disappointment. Um, And so in the beginning of relationships, you're looking for all the ways that make him or her fit. Like, does this work or does this not work? And, you know, um, but as a relationship deepens, and maybe you've committed all the way, but as a relationship deepens, you start seeing all the things that are lacking. All the things that are lacking. And in a committed relationship, Marriage relationship, as the, you know, the more you get into it, the more that that gets exposed. And then you can struggle. You can struggle. Because all of us have it. In my relationship now, we've been married for 15 years, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, we become more aware of the things that are lacking. And life changes. And so that, you know, the, the struggles that you have can, will change based on what's happened, whether you've had children or there's job circumstances or world circumstances, you know, all that, you know, it affects everything. And I, I heard this talked about a long time ago um, from someone talking about this subject, how you'll see like 80% of, of someone who you want to be in, in your spouse, and the other 20% can get really frustrating. And you'll suddenly look out and some people around you, and you'll see the other 20% in someone else. And you'll begin to desire that. And you cannot see, because of how it stands out, you cannot see the other 80 that does not fit at all. And we get led down these paths, like, oh, this was better. And what we begin to think is, I just didn't find the right person. Because when we think, if we find the right person, it's everything okay. And so we run into struggle. We say, I just need to find the right person. We run into struggle. We begin to think, maybe it just wasn't the right person. And that's really a myth. The truth is the opposite. What we need to be focused on is becoming the right person. Becoming the right person. Because all of us are flawed. And marriage, and we'll get into this in week three because we'll talk about hardship. God designed marriage. The two will become, and all these four work together. But God designed us to become one. It is, in that design, there's going to be, be differences and ways for us to sharpen one another And the same is true of relationships of every kind, of every kind. And so this is a total shift in our mentality. It's a total shift in how we view what's happening. It can change the game of our relationships. It begins to inform your dates. It begins to inform your chats with others, the DMs that you engage in, communications with everybody around you. You know, you're becoming the right person. You begin to focus on who you are, and suddenly you begin to see and look for character traits that you are desiring for yourself. You begin to live out the character traits that you want others to see, you want others to be. And you'll begin to attract the character traits that you are 
becoming. This is a proven thing, and this is how God pursues us. He is always pursuing your heart and your character. And so when we learn to love one another, we see this. And so relationships can be an amazing tool of God to help you grow. And that's not easy because it can feel condemning. And this is why we just say, if I just find this, then I'll be okay. But God is is presenting us with a beauty of discovering things within us. So, how do we do this? I want you to think about who you are becoming. And the other things will take care of themselves. So we want to practice this. This is what you must begin to be good at, to develop this as a foundation. It will make your relationships better now, and it will begin to impact your intimacy, your sexual life, everything later, because you build this foundation. If you will give as much attention to this as you do the pursuit of a relationship, it'll change everything. So let me give you a learn or a to-do list. And this is read often in marriages. Uh, this is, I'm going to take us to 1 Corinthians 13. And let me just give you these character traits, these foundations. Love is patient. You see that there. It's not pushy. So love, being patient, you know, it waits on the other person. Love pushes me to give you more time for stuff than I planned on. This is not what we are constantly seeing, right? Culture is pushing us to just make ourselves happy. And what God is showing us is something completely different. Here's the thing. Wouldn't it be great to date a patient person? How? Become one. Become a patient person. Well, how do you do that? Well, you practice it. If you pray for patience, right, sometimes God might put things in your life that are <laughs> it's hard to be patient with. It's true. Like I th- God will lead us towards this. So love is patient. Uh, love is kind. First Corinthians, this is 1 Corinthians 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Being kind is considerate. It says, it, love, it does not envy. It does not envy. That is allowing the other person to shine. It isn't threatened by someone else's success. So jealousy, envy, it can celebrate it. It doesn't have to tell a one-up story. Envy says, if I feel good about myself, I can't let you feel good about yourself. And this one's hard. It's hard to see someone be successful. It's hard, like in a professional life, to see someone, maybe you've been working on something for a while, and someone comes in all new, and they just start getting things better or get the glory. Like, it's, that's hard. And in relationships, this is, and, and so to work on that in yourself it's not easy. We have to be reflective. Love is kind. It does not envy. I mean, it'd be great to date someone and be like, man, you're awesome. <laughs> you're doing so good at this. Well, become one. Become someone who does that. How? Practice it. 
at your job. Someone gets a promotion. Someone gets celebrated, and they don't see anything that you did. And you go, good job. <laughs> and you bite your tongue, and you just, this is the way, this is the beauty of what God is. You begin to, you celebrate. The way to get rid of jealousy is to celebrate. It's the opposite things that impact our heart. It's amazing. Like, remember, happiness is counterintuitive. We talked about that in our last series. It continues here in the Scriptures. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. You're like, wait a minute. This doesn't sound like a very exciting date. Like, if you have people that just did this the whole time on, like, The Bachelor and other programs, like... I don't know, there's, what, how many, there's so many crazy, like, they're all built around drama, right? And if you read the behind the scenes, it's all forced drama, like, it's just crazy forced emotions. So, yeah, it's not necessarily the sexy thing to do. It does not boast, it is not proud. These are character traits that we're developing. And so then it continues. It says, it says love does not dishonor others. Man, this word, this dishonor that's been originally written in the Greek, it means it does not behave disgracefully, dishonorably, indeceitly, like you're not being deceitful. It doesn't do anything that would cause the other person to have regrets. Man, like that is what we constantly see is someone making that decision. Women, wouldn't it be great to go out and not have to worry about how is the night going to end? Or worry about why are we buying so many drinks? Like we just, like guys, do you know how unique it would be if you decided up front to never dishonor a woman? That you never want to be a, a regret. Like we need to be led. We need to be led by God and by others to live this way. We need to have an attitude of who we become. And this is what we see in Scripture. This is who God leads us to be. Leads us to be. And this is the ideal and we can begin now to do this. It does not dishonor others. It continues. It is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. Which means I'm on the lookout to get what I want. We're thinking of others. Wow. That's, that's not easy to do. Okay? That gives, that's a whole year's worth of work. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It takes time. And you're like, well, I'll never get married. Well, that's not true. Like, you can't become perfect. That's not going to happen. But we can begin to say, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to seek out wisdom. I'm going to put myself in a place to learn from others. And you'll notice that these are things that don't come naturally. It's natural to become the opposite. And if you don't do anything, you will. I will, and I do. I don't, I don't live this out perfectly. I know these things. I've read it a million times. I've taught on it. I've done a relationship series almost every single year we've been as a church family here. And I'm still having to put these things into practice. That's why I love doing this because i got to teach myself. 
and face up to this. We just, it's a constant work that we do, and in God's grace, we step towards that. And that's the beauty of this. It doesn't come naturally. That's why we need to be led by God and by others. It's kind of serious. This is hard to do. And so it's a decision that you make that you're going to seek wisdom out in your life. So if, if the married people that I know, the married people that I know, <laughs> the things that, we, that kind of normally happen, Normal marriages that we see is they thought it would come naturally once they met the right person. So they didn't make the effort to become the person they were looking for, was looking for. (laughs) They just started looking. They just kind of don't think about it. We spend years working on a major, a career, graduate degrees, some of you in doctorates on your career. And somehow in our marriages, we're like, we'll just show up and see how it goes. It's interesting, right? It's really, and it's, it's the, what, you know, what has derailed people that we see in marriages? It's not, most of these people or all of them were successful, still are. It's our hearts that derails it. And we need to understand we have to work on our so they thought it would be natural. They thought their partners would be so perfect that they wouldn't have to be patient or kind. That's what normal marriages do. So yeah, this is not easy to do. And so this is how Paul finishes in 1 Corinthians. First, this is 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He goes through this list. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, he's like, when I became an adult, when I grew up, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And so childhood, childhood stories usually end with happily ever after, right? So that everything works out okay. So the children's stories ends when the prince and princess finally get together. And the assumption then, right, I mentioned this earlier, that once they met, the rest was easy. I got the rose, and then we're all good. And then the behind the curtain show comes on, and they're like 10 feet apart, and they don't like each other anymore. Like, what happened? You were just happy. So we're like, so childhood end, stories end with that. That's how children think. And so for all of us here, it's time for us to grow up together and to quit thinking like a child. So Paul's words here are offensive. <laughs> it's time to focus on who you are becoming rather than just simply who you are in hunting or just, in just trying to pursue the marriage as an institution. That becomes an idol and it becomes a god. And we actually don't even care about the person. We need to change how we think. And so what I want to do is give you three things in about five minutes to help us do this. How do you do this? In our dating life, our understanding of what leads us in the best direction is focused in, we can be focused in three different ways. Here are the three real quick, and I'll break them down. One is, what does my future relationship look like? Now, if you're in a relationship now, It's a great thing to ask. What does my future relationship look like? Always think about the future, and that informs you, (laughs) what you can do. This is like an elbow time, right? No, for you, (laughs) right? And then who am I becoming now? We're sowing. We ended last week with our happiness series. If you're with us last week, we talked about we sow 
to reap happiness. We sow in our relationships. This is what we're thinking about. Who am I becoming now? And then who is the person I date? Or you can ask, do I even date right now? That is an okay thing to pursue. So what does my future relationship look like? The decisions you make now impact and build into your future. Your past doesn't just stay in your past. You want great intimacy, trust, and purpose. Is this person willing to sacrifice their desires for a better future for you? Are you wanting to do that? That's the hardest thing about marriage. Letting go of what I want for the good of the other. The decisions you're making now impact you, will stay with you. You want to have great trust in your spouse. You want to be free in your relationship. You don't want to be you know, dominated by comparison. Now, this is where we need God's grace because we're going to experience those things. And that's the beauty of his pursuit of us. And we're going to talk about that in future weeks. It's so important. Because you can be dominated by loneliness and make poor decisions. And so who, what does your future relationship look like? And it can give you strength to be okay with where you're at right now and trust God with this. Number two, who am I becoming now? We've talked about this a lot. You want to walk towards the beauty of God's promises. We talk about this, his beauty for us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3, it says, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is week four. We talk about him as our foundation. We look to him, and he leads our lives. It says, For the joy set before him, future happiness, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he sacrificed what he wanted for our good. He gave up his glory that he deserved. This is the example for our relationships. He says, consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The whole scripture started with, let us throw off the things that entangle us. Let's work towards Letting God do hard work in us. So practically, how do you do this? You seek wisdom out. Be willing to have someone give you constructive criticism to say hard things. Do you have anyone in your life that you can know like this? You need people to see your life. We need, we need God's grace because when we begin to be seen, we want to run away. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wow. Proverbs 28, 23. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Man. So we seek wisdom. You want to be in community. Be in community. This is how we do it. We engage the community. This is why you are here today, and some of you are engaging these steps. Keep taking steps so you can serve on a Sunday team. It's a great place to start and be around others. You can be in groups. Our dinner groups are here for you to sign up and be part of. And just learning to be consistent and seeking community, finding steps that you can take.
And then three, number three, so we, we're learning to, what does my future relationship look like? Who am I becoming now? And then number three is, who is the person I am dating now? If you're dating someone now, who are they? Do they show signs of real life? You know, no one's perfect, <laughs> but what are the foundations they stand upon? What do other people in your life think of them? You need time. Aaron, when we, our first date, I think I've talked about this before, she went to, we went to a concert, and all of her friends were there with us, with me. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I was around them, and they saw me, and I allowed that to happen. That's important. Are you known? Who are, who are they? Do they push you? Like, what's their character? There's time. Don't rush what isn't there. And then you can, like I said, you can take a year off. Do you even date now? Some of the best things that people have done is taken a year off from dating and just focus on themselves. It would change their lives. Suddenly they begin to be the person and people start being attracted to that kind of person they are becoming. You'd be amazed at this. I'm not guaranteeing that you get a date. Okay, don't quote me. Don't say that. But you will begin to sow into the joy of your life. Who are you becoming? This is one foundation. Next week, we're going to talk about the beginning of two, the two will become one. and Begin to engage intimacy and hardship and both work together. You don't want to miss it. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your words to us. And I pray today that and maybe we experience you know, regretful emotions. God, I pray you help us to know that your grace, your love wants to come into that moment. And the place of shame is where you came to take our condemnation. And then not only that, you began to step in to bring that beauty back. We've all blown it and messed up. And only you can do that. And I pray that we would experience these principles, that we can begin today and sow into our future and be a light and example to this city that we live in. We thank you for these words. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.